Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Alison and I, uh, my wife and I, we've um, just got back yesterday from uh, five days in uh, Ghana, in West Africa, uh, with Compassion. Some of you know the organisation Compassion and we're exploring as a church, as part of our expansion, as part of what God's saying to us about what it would look like to partner with Compassion somewhere in the world. And so we'll talk to you about that more when we've had time to process. But we had an incredible five days. Um, uh, yeah, just incredible in four different communities, uh, experiencing God, experiencing incredible poverty. Um, some stuff made us want to weep. We did weep. Some of us made us, made, made us angry, and we were angry, but sometimes we've had our breath taken away by just the beauty of God at work and the human spirit as well. And um, I, I, I think it, it fits in, I think, very nicely in one sense with what I want to share with you this morning as we finish this series, looking at the early church, and, and, and this idea that, that life begins when we live supernaturally. And we are intrigued by the supernatural. Even people who wouldn't say they're followers of Jesus are intrigued. In fact, I went to one of the our social commentators of the day, incredible brain, Jennifer Aniston. And uh, I'm joking, I'm joking, okay, on all of those counts. Uh, and she said this, I don't have a religion, I believe in God. I don't know what it looks like, but it's my God, my own interpretation of the supernatural. Not wanting to be critical, but that's a common view of like there's something out there I don't know what it is, and if there is something out there, then maybe I'll just make it my own, and I'll interpret it as I want to. But you know, the definition of supernatural from the Bible is a manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. We get the word supernatural from the Latin word supernaturalis, which literally means beyond nature. So in other words, it's something beyond, it's something outside of what we could explain by the natural now, what, would it, what could it look like if we lived supernatural lives? But I want to suggest, what would it look like if we lived naturally supernatural lives? You see, the church is meant to be supernatural. But here's the thing, sometimes in the past, and some of you who've been Christians longer, you'll know what I'm talking about. We've not been naturally supernatural. We've been weirdly supernatural. In fact, sometimes we've just been weird. Not supernatural at all. And, and many of you, you, you'll immediately have thoughts in your minds about what it means to be a church that's naturally supernatural. In fact, in different cultures as well. And I've loved my time in Ghana. This is no way a criticism. It's a different culture. But some of the church names in Ghana are amazing. Aren't they, Laura? Yeah. So the, every morning when we went out, we went past this big, why didn't we call ourselves this name? The Mega Church. That's the name of the church. What a great name. The one I really like as well is the Mountain of Fire and Miracle Church. Come on. We've got form for that as well, haven't we? With the, with the fire. But you know, some of us, we think to be a supernatural church, it's kind of like weird. It's a little out there. And so you've got to put on a different voice if you're going to be supernatural. You've got to say different things and you've got to speak the word of the Lord. And here's the thing. Some of the things that happen are weird. I remember as, as, a, as, a, as a young man being in a situation where we were in this prayer gathering before an event and there's a story in the Bible where a, a, a woman who, who has an illness with blood and, and she pushes through the crowd and in the King James Version it says she touches the hem of his garment, of Jesus' garment. And as we're praying, th th this guy prays, says, Lord, we want to encounter you today and Lord, we, we want to lift the hem of your garment and gaze at your splendour. 
And I'm not sure they exactly meant to say that. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit bizarre. You know, or, or, or the prophetic word where somebody got up and said, you know, I, the Lord, speaks this morning. And I saying to you that as, as Moses led the animals into the ark, so I will lead you into a place of shelter. And he sat down. Everyone's feeling a little bit awkward because it wasn't Moses. It was Noah. And they're all saying, was it Moses? It was Noah. And then he realized what he'd done. And he got up and says, I, the Lord, made a mistake. <laughs> no, the Lord didn't. You did. You know, and here's the thing. Being supernatural does not mean we need to be weird or bizarre. But what would it look like if we live naturally supernatural lives? And I think the church is supernatural. And when Jesus, and Jesus was the first person to ever use the word church, uh, recorded uh, you know, the actual word where we understand the word church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And then the book of Acts is the acts of the early church, is the acts of the supernatural church. And it shouldn't have lasted, but it did. And it shouldn't be here 2,000 years later, but it is. And I've had the privilege this year of being in some incredible countries around the world where the church is still persecuted and, and has been persecuted and still is. And the church shouldn't survive, but it does. Because the church is supernatural, guys. The church is supernatural. And so the, the guy that wrote the book of Acts, a guy called Luke, he wrote the Gospel of Luke and then he wrote Acts. He was a historian and he was also a doctor. And he does something which I've never seen before and this is maybe really geeky, but I love it. He divides the book of Acts into six kind of sections of history. And then at the end of each section, he gives a little summary. Let me just show you what I mean. So at the end of the first section, Acts 6 verse 7, it says, So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Then there's like another season of the story. And at the end of that, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. Then there's another season. And then at the end of that, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, this is when James was beheaded and Peter was in prison and Herod tried to stamp out the church and God stepped in and took Herod out. And then it says, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. And then it goes on to another section and then it says, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. And then another section. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. And then finally, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. That's the end of the book of Acts. And it's like at the end of each section, God's reminding us that the church is a combination of two important factors. The dedication and devotion of people, and that's natural, and the activity and the intervention of God, and that's supernatural. And that's the whole deal about the church. It's a combination of these two things, the dedication, the devotion of the believers and the activity and the intervention of God. And here is my bottom line for you this morning. If a church isn't supernatural, it will become superficial. If a church isn't supernatural, eventually it will become superficial. And that's true of us in our lives as well. If we are not living naturally supernatural lives, we will naturally drift to living superficial lives. We're not living supernatural lives. We're going to drift to live superficial lives. And this is the story of our church. Over the last 40 years, our church has been a combination of the devotion and dedication of people like you guys and others that have been before and the activity and intervention of God. How many know that's true? 
And in our 40 years, we've known God intervened so many times. You know, when anybody becomes a Christian, that's supernatural. When anybody gets healed, that's supernatural. But we've had supernatural interventions of God all the way through our history because we are a supernatural organisation. Next weekend, we get to celebrate that. Next weekend, I want to encourage you. Do all you can to be here next weekend. I know it's a busy weekend now. We've put lots of things on. Just max out on it, okay? It's going to be so good. Not only have we got these overseas guys, but we've got several people who've come from, the, from our past, our story, and staff and elders and pastors. People have been a part of our story. And uh, you'll hear from some of them as well and what God is doing in their lives. You know, it's amazing. You know, your fruit will overhang the walls. Actually, your fruit may even grow on other people's trees as well. And, you know, James and Callie, you know, who were our kids pastors here, they now lead, they lead the, he leads the kids' work at a church of 20,000 people in San Francisco. It's like amazing what God is doing in and through those guys. And, and, and they know that you got a part of their story. And we want to celebrate that next week because the church is supernatural. But I want to encourage us, how do we live naturally supernatural lives? I want to give you three big principles this morning, guys. And if you're watching or you're listening, this is so important. And I want you to get these as well. The first one is this. The spiritual world is real. It's real. It's invisible, but it's real. It exists simultaneously alongside the natural world. And the church is this combination of natural, supernatural, natural, supernatural. Life is like that. And even the secular world understands that. And they say things like, trust your, trust your gut, or there's a vibe, or mother's intuition. There's something beyond just the natural. But I think there's a difference between the spectacular and the supernatural. So all miracles are supernatural, but not all the supernatural is a miracle. Do you understand? And, and so for me, when, when I see you know, someone becomes a, a Christian, that's supernatural. But when I see someone forgiving someone who's hurt them, I think that's supernatural as well, because it's beyond natural, beyond the nature when I see what I saw this week in, in, in Ghana, you know, we, oh my goodness, we, we, we went to this place which was a, an urban slum and um, there was a house, I don't think it's a house, it was a room and it was, wasn't much bigger than this and six people were living in that place. But, but, but in the middle of that, when you see the devotion that people have to God and their trust of God in that, I look at that and I think that's supernatural. Do you mean you love God when you have absolutely nothing and you love him anyway? And then we met three young adults who have been through the program. So people somewhere around the world sponsored these three guys, £25 a month for, for, for years. And, and they graduated from the program and they came and had dinner with us. And these three young guys stood and they told us their story. And their story was, you know, we lived like this and dad left, never knew my dad and this and that and poverty and all of this. So, but then compassion stepped in and the church stepped in and a sponsor stepped in. And when they spoke, I sat there thinking, this is supernatural. One guy, we, we asked them the question, if it wasn't for the church, where would you be now? One guy stood up and said, I wouldn't know Jesus. One girl stood up and she said, I would be dead. So I have an autoimmune disease and it was compassion and the church that stood alongside me and gave money and helped me medically and loved me and prayed for me and I'm here today. She is working in the TV industry, wants to be a, a movie star for Jesus. The, one of the other lads has gone to university out of a slum situation. He's head of the student union. One of the other guys 
incredibly articulate. He's setting up his own IT company and he's a deacon at his local church. And I look at that and I think there's kids who've been raised out of poverty in Jesus' name and are now wanting to shape the nation for the glory of God. That's supernatural, isn't it? Supernatural. The spiritual world is real. And here's the other thing. God is spirit, which means he's not bound by anything he's created. And I had this thought the other day. God doesn't have to play by the rules. You ever thought about that? Like God doesn't have to play. Now, I know there are some police officers in the house today and some of us are wired that we're always going to play by the rules. Like my wife, Alison, she's hysterical around police officers. Whenever there's a police car, she freaks out. Look, slow down. Slow down. I'm only driving at 35 and it's a 40. Slow down. Slow down. She's, some people, are, they feel always bound by the rules. God's not like that. God doesn't have to play by the, own rule, the rules he's created, which means he can step in at any point. He can intervene. He could, this, this shouldn't happen, but it does because God is spirit. And I know this in my own life where people, where God has spoken into my life, often through other people and they've known nothing about it. Where people have blessed us with things and they didn't know our need. Where, where God has intervened in ways that we say, hey, that's beyond nature. That's beyond natural. That's supernatural because God is spirit. But the third principle is this. We are also spirit as well. And so, so often at a funeral, in fact, always at a funeral, I'll be reminding people of what we're doing in that funeral and what we're not doing. So we are saying goodbye to the natural. We're saying goodbye to a body and to a person, but we're not saying goodbye to the person's spirit, the memories and the fact that that spirit then lives on because we are also spirit, which means if the spiritual world is real, if God is spirit and we are also spirit because we're created in the image of God, it means we can access the spiritual world. So we can access who God is. We can draw that into our natural dimension. Reinhard Bonnke, many of you will have heard, I was a very famous uh, evangelist that I used to work for him many years ago. Uh, and he said this, Christianity is either supernatural or it's nothing at all. And I want to say we're here today as a church because God, because we are supernatural. We are naturally supernatural. God is a supernatural God and he calls us to live naturally supernatural life. So how do we do that in reality? I want to go a bit old school on you this morning and go through a big chunk of the book of Romans. How heavy is that? And I want to just pull out a few thoughts and ideas and then we're going to get practical at, at the end of this. So this is what it says in Romans 8 verse 9 to 19. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Now when Paul says that, because you and I know, yeah we are sometimes aren't we? And this is how we live out naturally supernatural lives, by understanding that there's like a thing going on inside us between our natural self, our nature, our flesh, our desires, and the Spirit of God living in us. It's like a battle going on, okay? And then he says, you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So let me just say, if you ever ask yourself this question, am I filled with the Spirit of God? If you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot be a follower of Jesus without the Spirit of God in your life. Now, whether you're absolutely filled and living in that is a different question, but you have the Spirit of God in you if you confess Jesus is your Lord. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. Then it goes on. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Did you stop there a minute? That's pretty big, isn't it? Is that only me that thinks that's pretty big? The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Yeah, see, if I was in Africa now, 
all right? Wouldn't it in its If I was in one of these churches I've been at this week, all right, you'd be throwing the chairs at me now. You'd be ripping it up and you'd be stancing and stamping around and your handkerchiefs would come out. It would all go off. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's amazing. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So the life that Jesus has for you, you can know because the Spirit of God is in you can live naturally, supernatural lives. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Why do you settle to be conformed when Jesus invites you to be transformed? Why do you settle to be controlled by your nature? He hurt me, I'll hurt her back. Oh, alcohol, drink alcohol, drink alcohol, drink alcohol. All of a sudden, controlled by alcohol, which is why the Bible says, do not get drunk on wine because it leads to all of the kind of stuff. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the word filled is the word controlled. In other words, Jesus loves you so much that He doesn't want doesn't to cramp your good times. He wants to give you good times that are good times, not bad times. He wants to actually lead you into a different kind of living. And it's so exciting. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Carry on. Next one. Now we call him Abba Father. And that word Abba, our beautiful Aramaic word, literally just means daddy. When the spirit, when you live naturally supernatural lives, you have a relationship with your daddy. Do you know what I mean? And that's what it means to live a naturally supernatural life. It means that we are in connection with him. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. So we can access all that Jesus has. That's amazing. In fact, together with Christ, we're his heirs of God's glory. It's like God the Father looks at Jesus and looks at you and looks at me. And he says, they're my kids. That's amazing. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Next one. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. If we're living naturally supernaturalized, let me show you this that I'm working on. This, little, this is my own thoughts here, this table. Here's some things that I think are natural and then contrast them to supernatural. So natural, we give in to our desires, but supernatural, we're led by the Spirit. Natural, we hold on to grudges and offense, but supernaturally means we forgive and we seek reconciliation. And so next week, we've got some guys coming from Albania. And um, one of my friends in Albania, she's been here many times, a loner. Um, the week after that, we, me and a team from here, Brad, some other guys here, will be in her church in the north of Albania, a place called Shkodra, a place that's really played by this ancient, horrific thing called the blood feud where you kill someone in my family, I kill someone in yours. And, and nine years ago this week, Elona's husband, Tani, was shot and killed, murdered by a 21-year-old guy outside the church, one o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Good friend of mine. And he was killed because they were all part of the blood feud. And, and so the first time I went out to see Alona and the kids um, a few years later than that, and she took me to her house and I went, I went to see this family and two weeks later, their two sons had been shot 60 times with machine guns outside their house. There were bullets everywhere. One of the sons was completely killed. The other son was injured, wounded. And I sat in the back garden and the wounded one had bandages everywhere and, and dad was crying and mom was stony faced and, and they were talking to Alona and they said, your husband was murdered. How can you forgive the people who've murdered your husband? And she looked at them and she says, I can forgive because Jesus has forgiven me. And as she began to talk about the power of the cross and about forgiveness, I sat there in the garden thinking, I'm in the presence of something supernatural. 
Because that's beyond nature, isn't it? That's beyond the natural. So listen, you and I will never be hurt in that kind of way, but people hurt us. Are you going to live natural lives or are you going to live supernatural lives? Focus on self and look inwards, but supernatural, we focus on others and look outwards. And you know that I bang the drum a lot in this church for us to not go inwards, but to keep looking outwards because that's a natural thing. But we want to live supernatural lives. And I know churches that say, oh, you're not supernatural because you don't have tongs on a Sunday morning and you don't do this and don't do that. Listen, supernatural lives is not all that. Supernatural lives ultimately as a church is, it, it, I'll tell you what, there's nothing bigger than when lost people become home and can find Jesus. And when we're engaged with reaching people who are far from God, that's when we're really living natural, supernatural lives, where we focus on others, where we look down when life is tough. That's what we do naturally. Supernaturally, we look up when life is tough. And so I could stand in the middle of slums last week and see people who are in the middle of incredible poverty and disease and pain are looking up and rejoicing in who God is. And that's, to me, that's supernatural. Supernatural. And then naturally we're bound by cause and effect. But supernaturally we're not to be bound all the time by cause and effect. Because God doesn't have to play by the rules. So how, how can you and I live naturally supernaturalized? Let me give you three practical things. Number one, we've got to be connected to the power. You know when your phone dies, young people, older people. <gasps> the end of the world, the battery's going. You've got to plug it in. For me, for me, I just every morning want to have a little bit of time where I can connect in to the power again. For me, that's reading. I use the U version on my Bible, on my iPad or my phone. Just, if you've never looked at U version, look at it. It just gives you some very short, sometimes longer, little devotion, little thought, Bible verse. I journal, try and have five minutes where I switch everything off and just have silence and, and just try and connect to the power and pray, Jesus, I want to know you today. I want to live a naturally supernatural. It's a daily space to connect with Jesus. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've never tried it, you can try it as well. Just at the start of the day and you just say, hey, I want to give 10, 15, 20, whatever minutes and I just want a daily space to connect into the power. But then secondly, secondly, you've got to stay connected to the power. And that's not only being aware of Jesus through the day, it's also being aware of what's going on in you. You know, the Bible talks about keeping in step with the Spirit and not grieving the Spirit. And many Christians, they wonder why they don't feel close to God, but they're living lives that aren't pleasing to God. Maybe bitterness and unforgiveness, maybe you, you, you're gripped by an addiction, or, or maybe there's something going on, and you, you, you know, you're just full of stuff that you know you're being controlled by that, and that's not the Spirit of God. And so for me, that means a daily surrender. It means saying, search me, O God, like David prayed. Is there anything in me? that needs to change. And I know when I'm feeling close to Jesus and I'm feeling plugged in and when I'm not. And often it's the something in me. There's never anything in him. There's always something in me. And you know, one of the things I learned years ago, which, which is, I think is so helpful, uh, someone taught me this, is if you can narrow the time gap between when you do think or feel something that you know isn't God and you know it isn't right and it's kind of damaging to you, if you can narrow the time gap from when you realise that to when you put it right. So maybe for some people, it's years Oh, years ago, I've got to put that right. If you can narrow that to months and you can bring that to weeks and to days and to hours and to minutes and to seconds, you'll catch yourself before you even do it. That's living a holy life. That's living a natural, supernatural life. It's not being beating ourselves up when we mess up, but it's certainly not 
carrying on with that is doing it right. It's bringing it to Jesus and saying, God, would you forgive me and cleanse me so we can be connected and reconnected again. And then the final thing is we've got to step out in the power. And for me, that means a daily decision that, you know, I often pray a prayer in the morning saying, Jesus, I want, I want to walk connected to you today. And I want to step out in something. I want to step out. I want to, I want to speak out. I want to look at a situation. And how does that work naturally, supernaturally? Let me, let me use Brad's, because you used you in the, in the 9.30, so you know what's coming up. I want you to imagine that this fine-looking young man is Moses. Okay, oh, you had a wolf whistle there, mate. Okay, so I want you to imagine that this is Moses. Now, there's a story in the, uh, there's a bit in the Moses story. It's a well-known bit. Even if you're not a churchgoer, you've seen Prince of Egypt or the Exodus film. The big bit in Moses' life is coming to the Red Sea. Okay, he's, leading, he's got two million people or so behind him, all looking to him as the leader. Okay? He's got a sea in front that in the natural he cannot cross. He's got mountains and deserts either side. So naturally, he's stuffed. Okay, Basically, that's in the original language. No, I'm joking. And he's got all these people looking to him as well. And there's an amazing verse in the book of Isaiah. I've shown you this before many times, some of you. This is incredible. And it says this, Then his people record the days of old. So they're talking about this story. The days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them? Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand? Who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown? Here's what happened. Here's how we live naturally supernatural lives. What happened is that God said to Moses, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out and in his hand is a staff. Okay. Now that's the same staff that later he's going to strike on the rock and water's going to come out supernaturally. But he's holding out this staff, which is just his shepherd's staff. And it's the staff that in Exodus 3, when there's the burning bush, God says, what's that in your hand? And he says, a stick. And he throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And then it comes back in his hand and it's a stick. And it's all a little bit supernatural and weird. And it's like God saying, whatever's in your hand, okay, that has the potential to be a snake and it can bite you. So surrender it to me and I'll deal with the venom. Then when I bring it back... It will come with my power. And interestingly enough, before, before he handed it to him at the burning bush, it was always called the staff of Moses. After that, it was always called the staff of God. So what happened supernaturally, is that, well naturally, is that Moses put out this staff that was now called the staff of God, but I don't think he feels very spiritual. In fact, all the people looking at him thinks he's lost his mind. And they maybe think he's gone fishing. Like we went, we got the Egyptian army chasing us and he's like going fishing in the Red Sea with his stick. And there's no music playing in the background, so there's no keyboards, so there's no anointing, there's no spirit of God, is there? Without, that's a joke. Without the thing. But it's, it's natural. But the Bible says, the Bible says when he stretched out his hand, God stretched out his arm of power alongside. The spiritual world is real even if you can't see it. And when God stretched out his hand and when Moses stretched out his hand, the water divided. Now, whose arm divided the water? Well, it was God's. But who activated God's hand? It was Moses. Thank you, Moses. You can sit down and have a rest. So here's the thing. Whenever you reach out your hand, guys, whenever you walk across a room, whenever you speak, when you reach out in the natural, God will reach out in the spiritual. And I love that picture because that's such a great picture of what God wants for us to live naturally, supernatural lives. So I want to invite the band if they could come back. Is it time? Is it time maybe for some of us that we started living more naturally, supernatural lives? Seriously. Maybe some of us, 
We live like this. We used to live like this. But it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Maybe for some of us, we, we've allowed ourselves to be so natural and we're on experience. And you know, as a church, I want to say as a church, that we, we, as we go forward in the next 40 years, we have got to stay a supernatural church. Not a weirdly supernatural, a naturally supernatural church where we depend on God, where we rely on God, where we ask God to intervene in our lives. God still heals, folks. A guy showed me after the first service, he came and showed me his finger. This guy that normally goes to Hagley, his fingers were chopped off in, in an accident and he went back and they said he'll never grow again and his finger's growing. People have been praying for him and he's got x-rays. And it's amazing what God's doing. God heals, he still does that. God intervenes in circumstances. God changes situations because He's not bound by the rules. But we don't have to be weird about it. We can be natural. We can just reach out our hand because God promises to reach out His hand when we reach out ours. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song which is like an invitation and a prayer. We haven't sung it for a while. And whenever we sing it, I think most of us feel that when we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I wonder whether most of us think we're talking about here, like in this worship time when the music's playing and the nice keyboard sounds. But actually, could God want to open up our minds and our spirits to a bigger perspective? Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, in here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my bank account. You're welcome in my diary. You're welcome in my workplace in my family, wherever it's not the kingdom of heaven, I want to see you here, God, so you're welcome there. Could that be our prayer this morning? Could we live naturally supernaturalized, where we expect God to move into any and every situation we're in because that's who we are. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that's the life you're invited into. If you're not a follower, that's the life you're invited into. Can we stand? Can we stand? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Is there anyone this morning and you are sick physically? You have a health issue. Maybe you've asked for prayer for it many times. I want to encourage you to ask for it again. So if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. You've got something physical going on in your life right now. Would you just raise your hand? And if you're around someone raising their hand, just open your eyes for a moment, guys, and have a look and put your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray for them this morning as family, as church. Hey, and if you're watching this, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, if this is you and you are sick right now, we, this prayer is for you. We want to pray for you too. Jesus, we want to thank you that you are supernatural. Lord, thank you that you're not bound by the rules. God, you can break in at any moment. God, you broke in and you raised Lazarus from the dead. You broke in and you raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. You broke in for blind Bartimaeus. You broke in for the man at the gate, beautiful. You broke in so many times. Jesus, we ask, would you break in again? Would you break in again? Would you break in again? By your power, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you heal? We speak to cancer. We speak to blood disease. We speak to bone disease. We say, come into line with Jesus, in Jesus' name, and we ask you to move. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? We pray for healing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, I want to I invite everyone this morning. If you want to pray a prayer with me along the lines of, Jesus, I want to live a naturally supernatural life, would you just 
maybe close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you as a sign. You know, earlier on, we raised our hands up as surrender and acknowledgement of the worthiness of God. Now we're putting our hands out to say, God, we need you. We want you. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my life. You're welcome in our relationships. Holy Spirit, where my relationships are not right in your sight. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Please help me sort this out. Where I need to stop something. Where I need to put something right. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my finances. You're welcome in my work life. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my relationships, in my family, in my community. Would you change the atmosphere? Would you change the atmosphere? As I reach out, God, would you reach out your arm of power? Would you change the atmosphere in our towns? Would you change the atmosphere in our nation? And Jesus, would you do it through a bunch of natural, ordinary people living supernatural lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.